Thanks so much for joining me, Peter Brindley, and my friend Leon Baker. We know your time is precious, and we want this to be as useful as possible. And we know it will be, because we've got Dr. Rob McSweeney, intensivist at the Royal Victoria Hospital in Belfast with us. He is the lead organizer of the Critical Care Review, both the incredible online resource that it is and the upcoming conference in Belfast, I presume at the Titanic Center again, Rob? That's right, Peter. Yep. Good evening. Great to... Great to see you again. Well, great to see you. Leon and I were just commenting we have AV Envy. We see you have all the stuff for live streaming in the background, so we know the AV quality is going to be magnificent at this conference. But we also know the conference is going to be magnificent. Why do we know? Because just about everybody we've spoken to has said, you've got to talk to McSweeney. His conference is where conferences need to go in the future. So to paraphrase them and to paraphrase me and Leon, I guess, you seem to, with the Critical Care Review, have come up with something quite brilliant and very necessary. Is it fair to say the middle ground between translating the trials so they definitely have clinical relevance, but also making sure it's it's engaging and you, you even have medical translation? In other, in other words, you have clinicians who are able to say why stuff matters and how it can be applicable. Is that a fair summary? Uh, I think it is. The meeting's a little bit different to most other meetings. Um, we pretty much triangulate between clinicians, trialists, and methodologists, statisticians. So there's not that many conferences you'll go to um, would have, which will have that combination of skills on stage pretty much for, for every session. Um, I think we have six or seven statisticians on faculty. So it gives you an idea. You know, we're, we're very, very interested in the robustness of the science, but it has to be relatable to clinicians who are providing the care um, at, at the bedside. Most trialists are obviously both clinicians and, um, and trialists and the statisticians and methodologists, again, um, work in, in trials and maybe a little bit back from, from the bedside, but they have remarkable skills. And what our conference tries to do is triangulate between those different groups, uh, which, which is, it works really well because everybody knows that the other group has different skills and different strengths and everybody meets in the middle. Yeah, I think beautifully summarized. Now, I understand this year's conference is June 14th to 16th in the, the highly acclaimed Titanic Center. Uh, North American doctors and nurses are uh, cheap as chips. Why should we get on a plane, fly over to Belfast? Why should we put up with airports? I know the answer to this question, Rob, but this is your chance to give it a promo. The good news for some is that you don't need to get on a plane and come over. We're one of the very few conferences that will actually live stream the event for free. So we're all about sharing science, equity of access. We think everybody in the world should have access to this really important scientific information. So we'll, we'll live stream it for free. So if you don't want to jump on a plane and come over and enjoy the crack, as we say over here, then watch it online. It's free. Just go on the Critical Care Views website in mid-June. Rob, you know, I've never been to this uh, conference. Um, I'd love to come at some point. Broadly speaking, you know, it's, I think there's no doubt uh, looking at the literature that residents, that people are using lots of online formats to learn, to keep up to date, etc. And there's probably a, a very large, broad array or spectrum of quality 
I was going to ask your opinion on the free open access medical education movement and so on. Um, are we overdoing it? How do we how do we make sure that it's truly quality? Your thoughts? Yeah, it's a it's a challenge. It's a challenge with with any aspect of medical education. I think you know if you look at the the formal publications and the, the journals, there's what close to thirty thousand of them. Are we overdoing that? Now, obviously, there's a vastly smaller number that do it very very well, and our evidence base largely comes from an even smaller number of journals. So it's similar in that regard. Um, in the, the foam uh, movement, there are a number of resources that, again, just come out again and again and again. They're just they're so, so good. And I think it's a case of quality probably bubbling up to the, to the top. I mean, obviously, we're, we're open access and we very much fall into that category. But the, the scientific robustness of our work is or certainly the conference is supported and and it's largely founded on the fact that we engage with with trialists and journals so a lot of the quality control is already taken care of you know if something's getting published in the new england journal of medicine or jama it's gone through a very very rigorous process of having the quality of science already evaluated so we're lucky in that that's the level that we try and operate at the very, very most important evidence. And um, we're, we're fortunate that there is this other process that we can use and rely on, but also help make that perhaps a little bit more accessible to everyone than is sometimes the case with the more formal um, education in terms of traditional journals and, and other conferences as well, I suppose. So Rob, it sometimes feels like trials are like buses, a whole bunch come along and then there's a big gap. What are the highlights this year? This year we've seven major trial results. So that's our, our biggest yet in one, in one single meeting. Um, we're again a little bit different in that a lot of conferences will give maybe 15 minutes for a trial result presentation. We give 90 so it's, it's a whole different ball game. We do long form. We don't do that much short form. We really do long form. So seven trials um, at 90 minutes each. I mean, that's that takes up probably over half our conference. The trials that we have are brilliant, fascinating trials. Some of them will be, will be landmark trials. The first one to mention is probably the UK Reboa trial. This is the first randomized trial looking at the efficacy of the Reboa device, resuscitative endovascular balloon occlusion of the aorta in non-compressible torso hemorrhage. So we opened the conference with that um, on Wednesday the 14th. After that, we then move into the patch trauma trial, which is a massive trial from Australia, New Zealand, and I think a couple of other countries, Germany maybe. Um, everybody knows the CRASH-2 trial, and there were some issues with the CRASH-2 trial. Patch is the first trial since then, about a decade ago, to replicate this question, but in um, a better resourced healthcare system. So with pre-hospital medics, with angiography, pre-hospital um, blood transfusion, all, all the different uh, therapies that we can now bring. So we'll see just what the place of tranexamic acid is in this different environment. So that'll be absolutely fascinating. Um, on Thursday morning, we have OxyPICU, which is a UK paediatric trial looking at oxygenation targets um, in critically ill children. 
So we had the pilot trial. We, we hosted the results of that, oh, I think, in October. So this is going to be similar in children. Um, Mid-afternoon on Thursday the 15th, then we have the TAME cardiac arrest trial. This is a, a really novel idea. It's to allow mild hypercapnia post-cardiac arrest. Obviously, hypercapnia will permit a degree of cerebral vasodilation, increased cerebral blood flow, but without requiring uh, catecholamines to do so or other vasoactive agents. So will that improve neurological outcomes in survivors of out-of-hospital cardiac arrest? Um, so that'll be that'll be absolutely fascinating. And then the next day, so Friday the 16th, we have three trials. The first one is the Cryostat-2 trial, again, another trauma trial, um, this time giving cryoprecipitate, fibrinogen in the form of cryoprecipitate to patients with um, traumatic hemorrhage. Following that, we have the device trial. Um, again, this is going to be so, so interesting. Uh, it's a big, big trial comparing video laryngoscopy with direct laryngoscopy in critically ill patients in both the emergency department and the intensive care unit, 2,000 patients in that. So it's, it's huge. And we finish our trial results on Friday afternoon with the MERSI trial. Again, it's a question that's been around for a long time. This compares bolus administration with continuous infusion of meropenem in critically ill patients with sepsis. So Bling 3 is looking at this. The Bling program has been around for quite a period of time, but Mercy will be um, the first major big trial to address this question. So seven fascinating trials. Pick a highlight out of that. <laughs> I dare you. Well, I, I daren't. There's a lot, as you say. Hey, what's your... Um audience uh have you I, I presume you measure just about everything have you broken it down to how many people are primarily trialists primarily clinicians i do hope the funders are listening in because one of the great things about a conference like this is to emphasize that tax dollars sent to do multi-center uh, research is a tax dollars well spent and so we need to engage that and do you have patient interest groups for example disease interest groups Yep, yeah, we, we we have a, a patient we have patient representatives um, attend the meeting. The so we have a really like I said earlier about the, the three main groups that attend. We will get delegates from all three groups as well. And one of the very neat things is we'll get very eminent researchers who aren't on faculty who will register to come as delegates. One person who will go unnamed, um, who's a godfather of critical care and critical care research. Said it was the first. It was the first meeting he had paid to attend in thirty years. He's, he goes to that many. He's he has known. He, he's invited to every major meeting in the world on an annual basis. I mean, our our meetings a little bit different. Like I say, we we live stream it for free. We try and give away. We try and make sure there's this equity of access to everything. So the ethos is a little bit different, and people who aren't on faculty pay to come. The organizing committee pay to attend this. You know. We'll work our socks off for 18 months, two years to put this together and we pay to go. So it's a different, it's a different ethos. It's a very different meeting. Well, you do work your socks off. I, I would encourage anyone that hasn't to go to the online resources. They are incredible and I've no idea how you find the time. And I know it's not just you, Rob, but I know Drs. Motran and McCauley and others locally are, are working their socks off too, and I'm sure there are countless others. The interesting thing is the compliments you're getting are from across the spectrum. In other words, Roger and Ollie from SMAC, 
and just as just as laudatory were the compliments from Merv Singer and Simon Finfer and John Myberg and the list goes on. So I think you have captured something special, which is all the more reason why it's surprising to me that cardiology, oncology, nephrology, they don't seem to be mirroring this. Am I right, Rob, that intensive care is leading the way? Not that I'm aware of at the moment, but I'm not really dialed into into those specialties. Um, the format works well. The trialists are very appreciative of the time to discuss their trials. They spent a decade of their life doing these projects, and you know, a lot of people, a lot of patients have very kindly offered um, to take part in these trials. So they're very, very important, and they really need much more than 10 or 15 minutes for for the critical care community to understand the implications um, of the trial results. And again, that's why we have these different groups involved. We want the, the statisticians and the methodologists to be able to comment on the design of the trial. Is it appropriate? We want the clinicians to look at the results and try and figure how they apply those results to their practice. We want the trialists to look at the trial and they're they're very, very upfront about the limitations of their trial. To people who aren't familiar with the meeting, it's sometimes they're quite surprised how upfront trialists are. You know, they don't try and hide things and make the trial look better than it is. It's it's really to their credit and um, how good they are at presenting these trial results. And all of that comes out when there's adequate time to present a trial. 10, 15 minutes just is inadequate for these big, big trials that have taken a decade um, from inception to completion. And I think that's an incredibly important point. I've, I've worried that frontline clinicians, of which I'm one, look at trials almost like somebody who's never painted going through an art gallery and just pointing at the canvases and saying, I like that one, I don't like that one, and that's about all the thought that's put into it. I, I think you're absolutely right that 10 years of nuance and, and somebody's dedication deserves more than somebody reading the the abstract or just the introduction or just the conclusion of the abstract. And they, it is a truly scientific meeting in that people list their limitations, list what still needs to be known, as opposed to a marketing conference where somebody goes with an idea and sort of tries to steamroll it through in the rest of the community. Just as we wrap up, how do you decide what's going to be included and what's not? Is it, Do you have a, a secret source? Do you have an algorithm? Does it have to be in a good journal with clinical importance and generate good discussion or generate good crack, as you said earlier? How do you decide? So the the level of the trials are all pretty much, you know, New England, JAMA, Lancet, they're all at that very, very top um, tier. We'll, we'll discuss with trialists. Um, I mean, the, the meeting is effectively an invitational meeting. So the trialists are invited to, to present their results. It's not just the trial results. We also will review some of the biggest trials of the past year. You know, the likes of Clover's eight ICU team, we've got really, really great trials. They get about 40 minutes. Um, again, it, it's not 90 minutes, but the trials have already been presented. They've already been published. There's already been a bit of discussion, but we still want an awful lot of time to go into those trials and understand them. There's a conversation between us and the trialists as to as to which trials um, get in. Sadly, we're not able to fit all of the trials in that we'd like to, but that's just the nature of the length of time that we give to each 
to each uh, session, each trial results and, and each trial review. Perfect. So we're going to wrap up here June 14th to June 16th in lovely Belfast. Leon, over to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, Rob, thanks for your time. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for telling us about this wonderful meeting. Um, just a quick question. Where can our listeners go to either join uh, the live streams or, or to find out more about your, your meeting? Yeah, if they go to criticalcareviews.com, um, all the, the links are on the homepage. Um, and it is all explained there. Sadly, for you guys in Canada, the timings don't quite work out well, but everything's recorded. It goes online pretty quickly afterwards, and, and it'll be there to the recordings will be will be freely accessible um, as well. So so if you can't make it from Canada or from wherever your listeners are listening around the world, um, it is online and it's it's there to to listen to and watch and contribute. Come and come and comment on on Twitter and comment on the, we, we'll have a chat function, come and comment on that. There's, there's a lot of discussion. Fantastic. Well, thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity to join you. Cheers, Rob. Mm-hmm.